Hello. So we're going to talk about sensory integration. There's about three days worth of information on sensory integration, but we're going to give it our best shot in 20 minutes here. Okay, first uh, I've got three pictures that we'll talk about. So in the first slide, how the brain transports messages. You see there those colored circles. Sensory integration is really nine pipelines of data that comes into anybody's brain. The only pipelines of data that come into the brain. So there's five, the first five are the ones that you learned in school. What you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you smell, and what you touch. All right. Then there's three more that are um, more complicated. So different from touch, tactile in the red oval would be something touching you. Different than if you were reaching out to touch like a pair of scissors. But how about those tags all over you know, the back of your neck or something's itchy on your skin? Um, some kid that doesn't want to play in shaving cream, for example, right? Okay, so that's tactile. The purple oval body position is vestibular. Um, I'm sorry, proprioceptive. Yeah, the, the body position is proprioceptive. Where the body is in space. As an example for that, um, let's give a, an example of a very well integrated uh, body. Someone who is a gymnast, right? They get up on a trampoline or the or any of the uh, bars that you see gymnasts do and they do a triple flip and they land on their feet, they nail the landing, they know exactly where their body is in space. The, per, uh, the, the blue uh, oval there, the balance, is the um, vestibular. Um, let's say that if a child has trouble with their, um, with their ears, uh, in, uh, my kid had some of that, or they've had tubes put in, um, the, the sense of the vestibular is so close to the brain and it affects uh, the balance. Uh, another way of explaining it would be if you've ever seen a kid go up or down the stairs like great-grandma, <laughs> one step at a time, clinging to the, to the rail, then that's someone who's not integrated well in their uh, vestibular. Then the, the light green oval there is the most recently discovered sense, uh, introception, and an easy way to to try to describe that is it's kind of a version of mindfulness where the, 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 the mind and the emotions and the body are aware of each other. Um, if a child can uh, start to get into self-regulation, self-control, they can start to feel a hissy fit coming on. Uh, um, uh, that the, uh, you know, you've heard antecedent behavior um, consequence. So that A, that antecedent, can someone start to predict that they're going to not feel good? Can they be self-aware enough? Can they be thinking about their body, they're thinking about their thinking, thinking about their sensory and their behavior enough to be mindful, to be able to self-regulate and self-control? Right. So that's just a real quick version of, of sensory integration, the way that I like to explain it. So then you see the, the brain and the spinal um, uh, column there. Uh, that's your central processing, central nervous system. Um, as a child is born and developed, by the time they get to be about a year old, the data is flowing through that uh, set of freeways at about 150 miles an hour or faster. So each child, each, each, each of us is wired uniquely, right? 
Um, and so that's where the, the, the message would start. Let's say, for example, a child's going to reach out and touch something hot. Then the data would go then to the fingertips, through the body, to the brain, and then right back out again, try to pull the hand away. Let's talk about sensory seeking and sensory averse. I have two pictures there of John. That is the same kid. So some kid that would be willing to sit in Galveston Bay in the dark with all that nasty old water so close to his face, and he's got a big old grin on his face, right? Nonplussed, no worries, happy, (laughs) is the precise same kid who couldn't bear to stick that ice cream cone in his mouth. And so as I've been working with him over all of these years, oh man, you would not you would not want me to be the mother of your child. (laughs) I have been trained by some excellent OTs, some excellent therapists to be so, so consistent in boundaries and push and how sad, too bad. I get you, John. I hear that you're not happy with that ice cream cone, but son of a gun, if I have to have, if I have to Charlie horse you to get you shove that ice cream cone in your mouth, you are going to take a bite of that thing. (laughs) Um, so we've been through a lot of that. So I wanted to share those two pictures. So sometimes you would hope that your child would be predictable on sensory seeking consistently or sensory averse consistently. Sensory averse. Um, no jumpy castles for me, man. I'm not putting that in my mouth. Um, no risks, right? Um, I'm a shrinking violet kind of kid. I'll be the one sitting in the back of the room. Please don't call on me. Don't pay any attention to me. Don't look at me. Sensory seeking, oh, the opposite of that. So someone that's going to be in your face, in somebody else's business, they, they will be seeking data on their proprioceptive, seeking information, seeking more support on their vestibular. So they will be clinging to the Um, to the walls, messing with somebody else's stuff, messing with the other kids. No such thing as hands in your pocket, standing very nicely. Thank you very much. Um, And some of our kids will be both. And there's a perfect example right there of John, um, depending on the situation. What we want to do is work on our neural pathways so that we can get reliable paths starting off as a very small message stream. And then as it continues to build a consistency and reliability, then pretty soon you will have a good habit, right? But if we have kids with habits that are uh, <laughs> neural pathways headed toward the edge of the cliff, then we need to intervene today as soon as possible, early today. Today is early intervention. To intervene as soon as possible and redirect. So I've been trained, I'm not allowed to let my kid get away with anything. Um, I'll walk away from certain behaviors at home, but there's got to be a teachable moment to everything because otherwise if I allow him to continue to stem, then we're just going to be building neural pathways toward the wrong and I'll pay later for it and so will he. Um, If you have kids that are uh, approaching adultness, (laughs) adulthood at the speed of light, right? Um, Most of us parents share that common fear of, oh my gosh, what's my kid going to do when I'm dead? So that fuels me. That keeps my hair on fire all the time. 
Um, so back to the consistency of building the neural pathways. Of uh, we had a, a kind of a standing joke about this once. Uh, one of our OTs and I. So let's say that a neural pathway starts off as a little dribble of sand, a sprinkle of sand in a pathway. And then it becomes a little bit more solid each time that kid does the same behavior or says the same thing in the right way or the wrong way. So pretty soon the little trail trickle of sand, oh, we got some gravel in there and pretty soon reliable concrete and pretty soon it's such a thick concrete freeway that we're going to have to get the jackhammer out to keep the child from going over the edge of the cliff per se, right, with a bad habit. I have seen kids out in parks, and they were now that I know what to look for, oh my goodness, they were just stemming so much. They were just walking, just jumping and flapping in little tiny tight circles. And um, they were allowed to, you know? I just break, that breaks my heart. Um, I've been 12 years now on figuring out how to intervene and stretch and redirect. So there's a major art to it. Okay, so some links there for you for some more information if you'd like. Um, oh, so clicking on to the next one, the one that says neural synapse. Um, some links for further information uh, to uh, from uh, Khan Academy, and um, then some photographs from Wikipedia there with the references and the hyperlinks. So the the beautiful thing about this brain plasticity, and you may have heard that I'm sure, is that because the kids aren't dead yet there's still hope. So if you remember nothing else from this slickety split through sensory integration, please remember that as long as your child's alive, there is hope to retrain the brain, to retrain the neural pathways, to undo what we don't want to have happen again tomorrow. So have great hope in that. You'll see some photographs there of the uh, uh, the, the journey of, uh, of a chemical impulse or electrical impulse from, let's say, fingertip to brain, back out to fingertip, um, is really more like a series of line segments, slightly separated, slightly separated with a little gap. And those gaps you see there in the photograph, in the, the, the picture, are called synapse. And there has to be neurotransmitters that carry the the, 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 the electrical or the chemical message across that little, they have to be the bridge from one axon, jump the, jump the bridge, jump the gap to the next axon, to the next, jump the bridge to the next one. So it's start, jump, start, jump, travel, jump, travel, jump, travel, jump. And um, we have to have those chemicals. If a child, like for example, when we first got into the spectrum and we were trying to figure out what's this biomedical stuff, we found a a, um, a, a doctor that had, was just getting into um, oh, well, um, t testing the blood to find out what chemicals were and were not in the bloodstream. And it was before we'd gotten in, into any of the, the other biomedical uh, information, the doctors, the un understanding. I, was, I, I didn't know anything back then, okay? Um, we just knew that he had almost died from fire ants and had no idea the consequences. We had no idea that his body had stopped producing human growth hormone, had no idea of what was the journey ahead of us. Um, if I had known, I would not have gotten the dog, but that's another story. Okay, so anyway, the doctor, um, uh, and he was with Spectracell, so he had taken John's blood sample, and we had to rush it overnight, and then they would spin it, centrifuge it, and find out what was not in the blood. His report came back... Your kid has no glutathione, the number, number one neurotransmitter. And I remember 
uh, Dr. Grabowski was so excited and elated that he had found out that we had no, that John had no um, glutathione. <laughs> and that just started the journey, right? So you, you have you have what happens, but then what do we do about it, right? And so I've, I'm just really keen on interventions. What is it we need to do to help our kids catch up with their peers? So in this case, um, here's some more information for you. Uh, I, I, I think this is, studying the brain is so exciting and amazing. Um, so I encourage you to continue to study on your own. Okay, let's click to the next one. So this one has the sensory integration, again, with the nine portals to the brain. And then it has some information on the trigeminal nerve. Do you see that there? So there's two pictures that are borrowed from Wikipedia. And I hope the link is hot. Um, if not, you can just put, put that in your um, search, uh, Wikipedia. Now, trigeminal is one of the reasons that our kids hate haircuts, don't want to brush their teeth, have a problem processing food, um, and it's right there tied to the ear and the vestibular. So trigeminal means tri. You can see there uh, it says V1, V2, V3, or zone 1, zone 2, zone 3 of the body, of the head, so from the neck up and then Gemini left and right. So you, what you have there is um, a, a, the highest concentration of, of uh, sensory integration and dendrites and data centers pinging into each other and falling all over each other uh, in the body. And so there's interventions that you can do to help the trigeminal system. It's one of the major nerve set systems of the body. And Again, it goes back to why oral and haircuts, why I had to sneak up on my kid in the bathtub and try to cut his hair. But because we kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing, eventually he'll, t he'll now pick up the buzz uh, buzzers, the buzz clippers, turn them on and look at me and laugh. And uh, uh, blow dryers the same way. I mean, back in the old days, there was a time I could use those machines to get my way with him. <laughs> I'll talk more about that on uh, another podcast, but uh, we do want them to be able to be at peace in their own skin, and trigeminal nerve system is a big one to overcome. There's definitely interventions we did with brushes and um, touches. Uh, you're building neural pathways. You're, you're taking an uncomfortable feeling, and you're making it eventually become comfortable for the kid. Okay. Uh, then you see the uh, auditory transduction YouTube. You click on that and it leads you into a beautiful animation for about eight minutes describing how the ears are supposed to work. There's a link there uh, uh, to uh, YouTube as well as to uh, the neural, uh, neural encoding of the transduction there. So it's, it's fascinating to watch. And it shows, it kind of basically unrolls the whole uh, infrastructure, the architect, uh, architecture of the ear. It does explain why it, it does work. And so then you have to infer the, in, the opposite, which is why doesn't it work with my child? So sometimes we have to learn inside out, right? Or the other way around. But it's always good to know what does a neurotypical child feel, think, process. And then we try to help our kids find the neural pathways to match that. I always tell my kid um, to watch the other kids match them to, uh, I'm not denying that he needs to stem, but I'm going to redirect him to um, do that in his room, uh, in privacy. 
I just don't belong to the theory that says I let my kid get away with any kind of stemming in public because I don't think that it's going to serve him in the long term and have a, and be a good adult life outcome. So I don't let him get away with it any old place he wants. Um, we'll talk later about a lot of different behavior redirects that, that, that we are doing, and I have photographs to give a lot of examples. Social media, if you go to the website or the Facebook or the blog, um, the workshops, um, working on these podcasts uh, to document stuff. So there's, I just ask you, I beg you, to really consider why you're, you're trying to help your child become comfortable in their own skin. It's not to punish them. It's not to make them hate themselves or hate the day. But there's, there's a tomorrow coming for our kids. There is a, an adult life we want them to have. And so if I cater to him right now, and if I didn't push him, but I do, um, I'll change up. I'll do random things. I'll make him stop on a dime and turn and be okay with it. Now, with the first, initially, there was, of course, a lot of pushback. And he didn't want to eat stuff. But now he'll eat almost anything. And he didn't want to go into Target or to God, those bathrooms in Target, right? Or, the, or going into Walmart or all those really loud, cacophonous places. But we have over and over. And now it's no big deal because we've built the neural pathways. And I promise you it's worth that. If you follow some of the posts on a hashtag risk-taking, and the reason I post so much about John's progress is it's not glamorous and there's no hero to the story other than the choices that a kid makes. And so please consider that today isn't the end of your kid's life that it's worth it to set the boundaries. It's worth it to water the flowers and not water the weeds. It's worth it to set up the boundaries and help them build the life that they want. It's just, it's like really old fashioned parenting, but with really, really fixed boundaries. Lots of love and humor. Oh, please, dear God, use humor. And anytime that I find myself getting upset with John, I gotta remember, you got to make a joke out of it, Gail. It's got to be funny. It's got to make him laugh because I'm modeling for him how he's going to react and act and integrate and cooperate and collaborate with people in his life as long as he's alive. So we have to remember to, you know, sometimes you have to keep your game face on and keep your smile and, and Sometimes the less I say, the better. If I find myself getting frustrated because I'm trying to redirect him towards something or I'm trying to make something happen for him, there's a way, there's a best way to do it, and there's a whole lot of ways that aren't going to be as useful. So always consider humor. Always consider the least words possible. And always consider role modeling. That sometimes I'll fade back and let him go ahead and other times I'll go ahead as the leader and I won't look back. And I'll let him decide what he's going to do. Now, of course, not broken bones and not bleeding and not dead in the street, right? But backward chaining is a good thing. There's a lot of skills we've built because of backward chaining. Taking risks is a really important honor that you offer to your kid. Um, so we're in the middle of COVID-19 right now, right? The, the shutdown, the coronavirus, and so life is turned on its ear. Things are so very different. There's a lot of benefit I see to my kid in I'm, I'm, not, I'm doing less and less and less every day. 
but he's becoming more proactive. He's taking up social cues and figuring out from introception that his, that he would like to do something with his friends. He's learning to pick up the phone, to text. He'll dictate and it'll be it'll be a poopy message because his diction is is poor because duh, we're in speech, speech delays, developmental delays. Then he'll have to go back and wordsmith it with uh, with the with the, the the keyboard, but that's okay because he's practicing his speech. He's practicing his reading, his language processing. He's practicing his word building because he has to go back and make sure it sounds right. And he's taking the social initiative. I tell him, "Hey, John, if you want to have friends, you've got to be a friend first. And you know, the whole world's sitting around waiting for their phone to ring or text message to come in. So we always have a plan A for any kind of a social outing. And then there's a plan B and a plan C. So that in case somebody says no or something is, he's not invited to a party, we always have another thing we can go to. Because the most important thing is for him to know he's in charge of his life. He's going to take responsibility for making something happen in his life. Now, I realize we've kind of gotten off target from sensory integration, but it's the reason that we push on sensory integration. So that my kid, your kid, all of these kids that right now they're, they're, they're suffering, they're challenged, but they're not dead yet. And the brain plasticity means that we can help them. It won't be easy and it might be, it, it might really challenge your consistency. I just beg you to be consistent because it's worth it. And I look back on posts at how he used to be long ago, and he's going to have a good, good adult outcome. Um, we've had some rough times. You will too, but your kid will thank you for it. I absolutely guarantee you. So anyway, thank you for your patience. I know I've covered a lot of material. We could talk days on sensory integration. Don't let it scare you. Just realize that it's, this, it's the senses and they integrate in the brain. And there's five plus three plus one. So there's nine senses. And if they don't integrate and don't get the data so it kind of all gets to the right place at the right time, you're going to have some eccentricities, right? And that's how you know the sensory integration is just off. It's out of sync. It's out of synchronization. So we do what we can to help the body methylate. We do what we can to help the neural pathways get stronger, better in the right direction to uh, reduce the ones, prune out the ones that what we don't want to extinguish them. Um, we'll talk a lot more about that in the future. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but I know you can take it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your time. Talk to you soon.